0: We're just back uh, after summer break, and I know some of you parents are so thankful that school starts. No, maybe. Uh, my wife is. She's, <laughs> thank Lord. We go from five kids in the house to one when summer starts, so it's like, thank you, Jesus. We're going we're gonna to celebrate. <laughs> What's that? Oh, summer starts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when summer starts, no, they invade. <laughs> Who are these kids? How'd they get in here? Uh, <laughs> where do you guys come from? But uh, we want to. Uh, I, I just want to encapsulate the last few weeks and the series we're in, Break Camp, really started uh, a few weeks ago when Bruce prayed during our pre-service prayer time and. He shared this first, Deuteronomy 1.6, where God tells the children of Israel, hey, you've stayed where you're at long enough, break camp, and advance. Move out. It's time to move into a new season of life, and maybe you've been stuck in place or spiritually just been uh, in the, uh, stuck in the same place. <coughs> Excuse me. God uh, wants you personally to move out, but also as a church, uh, we felt like God started to speak to us and Wes shared during worship, I think that day or the next Sunday, about Joshua and Caleb who went into the promised land. And Wes didn't know I was working on a message, which I shared a few weeks ago, about about these two men of faith, Joshua and Caleb. There were 10 with them who said, no, we can't do it. But they were really fulfilling these, the words of God who said, no, it's time to break camp and advance. And uh, today i want to I want to look w- with that as a bit of a backdrop i want to look at the Gospel of Mark, uh, one of my favorite books I, I resonate really well with Mark and by the way, Mark uh, probably uh, is is Mark is probably writing for the Apostle Peter is what theologians uh, mark wasn 't one of the apostles, but Mark is probably listening to the words of Peter who might not have been as eloquent as Paul or some of the other writers, but he had Mark probably write this gospel, uh, is what most theologians believe. John Mark, who was Barnabas's cousin, he traveled uh, with Peter. And uh, I want to look at this first chapter, and I believe it'll speak to you and to us about our next, the next things in God and some of the, uh, and really the topic is the immediacy of the gospel. I really want to challenge us today, and today's a, uh, a big word for us as a church, really strategic, and I, I hope uh, will be visionary. So let's, let's pray uh, and pause, and, and Lord, we turn to you now as we open your, your word. We pray you'd open our hearts. We pray for Clark Fork City Church that, turn 40 this year and we ask that you would uh, ready us for the days ahead. We believe you're challenging us to move out in new ways as a church and uh, through the words of Mark, uh, possibly uh, shared by Peter who wrote them down, we pray that you'd speak to our hearts today. God, we don't want to come and just investigate your word. We pray your word would investigate us. It would challenge us and equip us in Christ's name. I pray. Amen. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read uh, through part of this first chapter, and then we have three things to talk about. I want to I wanna look at the next uh, trailblazers, the next to turn to the Gospels, and then the next towns and villages. Three kind of nexts in this first chapter of Mark in the immediacy of the Gospel. Mark 1, verse 9, it says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, And was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came out of the water, immediately, everyone say immediately. He saw the heavens open, being torn uh, open, and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And the voice came on him from heaven, saying, You are my Son, with whom I'm well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove Jesus, drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. he was with wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him verse 14 and john was arrested and jesus came to galilee proclaiming the gospel of god saying the time is fulfilled the kingdom of god is at hand repent and believe in the gospel the word gospel means good news and so we're kind of getting a cameo or an insight into jesus's initial ministry Uh, and how he kind of started. Verse 16, Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, who's Peter, and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, and they were fishermen. Jesus said, Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Verse 18, And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, who were in the boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the higher servants and followed him. I wonder what those guys thought. You know, dad and the other workers, like, hey, you know, they're on the crew. Jesus called us, see ya. They're going, wait, we have work to do. But they heard the the call of God, verse 21. And they went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught as one who had authority, and he taught, uh, and not as the scribes. In verse 23, and immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit who cried out, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him, be silent, come out of him. That's kind of cool, isn't it? Quiet. Quiet leave all right and the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of this man and they were amazed (coughs) so they questioned among themselves what is this a new teaching with authority he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him and even once his fame began to spread throughout (coughs) all of the surrounding region of galilee Verse 29, and he immediately, he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with the fever and immediately they told uh, him about her and he came to her and took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, you know, uh, never mind. I think that part's funny. (laughs) If any... (laughs) If my wife's sick and she just gets out of bed, she's not going to cook us a meal, okay? (laughs) This is back in the day. I'm going to sit here. You make the meal. Uh, That evening at sundown, they brought him all to those who were... I'm just trying to make sure you're here and not listen. You know, it's a long reading, okay? I'm just trying to draw you in. That evening at sundown, they brought him up, those who were sick and oppressed by demons, and the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many and sick and various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And right here, listen in, verse 35. They, rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed. He went to a desolate place and there he prayed. Bless you. And Simon and those who were there searched for him. And they found him and said, everyone is looking for you. And he said, now let's go to the next town's In villages that I may preach there also, for that is why I have come. And he went through Galilee preaching in their synagogues, casting out demons. Wow, what a ministry. The immediacy of the gospel. I I resonate really well with Mark and the way he writes because he's so action oriented. It's so in your face. There's no long genealogies. There's no lengthy explanations it's like the gospel on the gospel is moving the gospel's on the go the jesus is it's his mission there's not a there's no birth story there's no all this background and prophecy and explanation it's just jesus is moving it's Jesus has a job to do, and he's, he meets some disciples, and he's, he's on the move. And, and so we, we don't see a lot of things in Mark that we see in the other gospels, but we do see this vividness. We see um, uh, these details that draw us in. We see the, the gospel of the power over devils and demonic, right? That's a theme through the book. We, we see a God of wonder because through Mark we hear these, see these words, they were amazed. They were amazed. Wow, their jaw hit the floor. Like It's the amazing gospel. Mark writes in a way to just catch our attention and say, wow, God is, is big and he's powerful. Can someone say amen today? <laughs> it's a gospel uh, written to the Romans and <coughs> a Roman people where Matthew, I believe, wrote to the Jews. Mark's writing to the Romans and catching this more secular culture and saying, wow, Jesus is an amazing savior. But one of the things that caught my eye as I read this in terms of our series and where we're at as a church, it's a gospel of activity and energy. And we read this word a lot. I don't know if you picked up on it, this word immediately. In the gospel of Mark, 40 times he uses this word immediately or straight away or henceforth, if you're King James only, right? Uh, But 40 times this word comes up and it, just in what we read immediately out of the water the spirit came Uh, the spirit drove him to the wilderness or immediately they left their nets immediately he called them and immediately they went to capernaum and immediately there was a man in the synagogue and immediately he goes and heals many and and rising very early Jesus goes to prayer. We get this pace right from the start, right out of the gate. This, the word is euthos. It's, it's straight away. No re- it means no reluctance. It means we're on the move. It means we're on the go. It means we're going to what's next. Right? It means that we don't have time to look back and complain about the past because God gripped our heart and immediately they left their nets. And I want to look at I really feel like today is about our, the next phase for Clark Fork City Church, and there's three next: the, the next trailblazers or leaders, the next uh, people to be saved, and then the next towns and villages. And we get this idea from the Gospel of Mark that, that Jesus is serious about his mission. Right? He's serious about reaching the lost, and John the Baptist, kicked. he starts it off, he's the first trailblazer. He's the one that prepares the way (coughs) of the Lord. You gotta forgive my uh, wildland fire cough this morning. Uh, John the Baptist prepares the way for the Lord and he comes preaching and and he prepares the way for this amazing, powerful ministry. But the first next that I think, We need to look at and encounter, and we see in Mark is these next leaders, these trailblazers, these people that Jesus would handpick. Uh, John the Baptist himself was even handpicked. Uh, God knew him before he was born in his mother's womb. John came (coughs) as a cousin of Jesus. His dad was Zechariah the priest, and and John came preaching right before Jesus. Get ready. He's coming. He's on his way. Thank you. Cough drops are on their way. I've never preached with a cough drop, but I'm going to try it. Um, so John the Baptist comes, and he baptizes Jesus, and, and uh, Jesus immediately, it says, comes out of the water, and the Spirit descends on him like a dove, and Jesus goes from there, and actually, let me ask this question. If you had unlimited power, unlimited resources, unlimited time, and you, so you had the ability to change the world, how would you start? How do, what would you do? How would you spend those finances or spend your time uh, or transfer? You know, what kind of vision would you get to change the world? Do you know what Jesus did? He picked 12. He picked 12 men to mentor, to train, to get around him, to disciple him, to live with. He, he said, man, I need, if I'm, an, I'm here to change the world, I need a team around me. I need trailblazers and leaders and the rough around the edges. So were some of us. So are some of us. Talking about the other church members, not here today, not you. He told them in Luke 10:2, he said, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He said, Guys, there's this huge harvest field out here. The laborers are few. Jesus starts this kind of immediate Gospel of Mark, this kind of fast pace. And let me make this qualifying statement. Jesus was in his 30s when this started, so it's not like he popped out of the womb and starts laying hands on disciples. Although Mark is very immediate and very fast-paced, this ministry took some time, right? So this ministry took time. Not everything is immediate in our life, just like prayer isn't always immediate. So I don't want you to go out of here today saying, man, Josh preached on the immediacy, and God, I want it now, right? So some things aren't always immediate, are you with me? Some things we don't rush and do, you know, you don't run with a chainsaw. Right? Right? So we want zeal, but we also need wisdom. Right? And so there's your qualifying statement. The rest is fast-paced today. Not everything's immediate, all right? Um, But he has these leaders, and he says the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. I love the book Robert Coleman wrote. I read years ago when I worked for Youth for Christ called Master Plan of Evangelism. And he points out, I think it, there's eight things that he sees Jesus did with these leaders, these trailblazers. He selected them. They had association. They were together. There was consecration. They gave themselves to this. There was impartation where Jesus said, man, I'm going to impart. I'm going to give you. Remember he gathered the disciples and said he, he blessed them with what he had and sent them out. There was demonstration. Jesus Uh, not all of his teaching was just taught it was also caught right he he showed them he's out here in the gospel of Mark healing the sick and casting out demons and he's he's showing them he's demonstrating the gospel right if our faith is only something we share or talk about people will never learn if they don't see how we live out our faith there's a delegation he gathered them and said all right boys Go do what I do. What? You know, they came to Jesus and said, all the people are hungry. There's thousands of people that have come to hear you teach. Well, you feed them. Us? Right? Church church isn't a spectator sport. It's not about a couple key pastors or people on a platform. (laughs) Right? Right? If it is, it's, it's just a hierarchy. We don't want that kind of faith. Jesus wasn't into sitting on a throne and, and uh, <coughs> doing all the work and just look at me do ministry. <coughs> he walked out ministry so they could see, they could uh, get an impartation, they could see it demonstrated, but then he could delegate and say, guys, it's your turn. You're the next leaders. You're the next to go. You're the next who are going to go into the harvest field. Come on, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. He did give them supervision. He watched at times and said, Ha, ah, what are you doing? You know, more often than not with Peter, Peter, he's cutting ears off, kind of braveheart Christian guy. How many resonate with that? You just would like to braveheart somebody. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> he said, <just>, ah. <laughs> there's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he gave him supervision. He didn't just say, all right, you know, he did, there's a difference between delegating and dumping. And these principles work in your home, in church, or in your business. You know, hey, go do what I do. You know, that would be dumping. He taught them, he delegated. And then there's reproduction. These were the leaders that he was going to count on to take the early church forward this immediacy guys follow me drop your nets this immediacy this next this next in their heart that said hey there's something new there's something on the horizon there's new leaders there's new and what happens in church it's hard when people leave or move or go off to college but God says hey I've got the next leaders or the next generation or some of you are, are sitting out there wondering, well, what do I do in church? And God's saying, you're next. And he, he wants to call you to this next phase where you follow him. And that phase comes with an immediacy of leaving your nets, leaving what's behind and saying, "Wow, well, this is gonna be costly. This is gonna be tough. This is gonna be a, a season where I really have to say, God, am I gonna follow you to the ends of the earth and really be a disciple. And so I love the gospel. Mark has these next leaders, these next trailblazers. And so I wonder today, those of you saying, man, I, I've just been on the sidelines. Well, guess what? You're next. God's calling you to step forward and say, here I am. Send me. Right? Ministry leaders who can who can get around people and impart and demonstrate and really learn, really disciple. That's what Jesus' answer was for Saving the world. Let me get a team around me. They were his 12. Number two, we see in the reading today the next to turn to the gospel, these were the lost. And in Mark, we see in this immediacy of the gospel, we see uh, Jesus the evangelist. We see Jesus who's not just in the synagogues, not just at the big podiums. We see Jesus on the streets. Reaching the lost, praying for demoniacs, going to peter's house, she gets healed, cooks a meal, heaven's sake. But I thought about the the next to turn of the gospel. Not only do we need the next leaders, listen, church, we need to be praying for the next to turn, and I think in our church walk and there's so much distraction in our culture and the media and do we really live a gospel-centric life where we consider the lost? Do we consider, not like a lost wallet or lost keys. I, I thought about that. What does lost mean? Because it can seem kind of churchy, right? Well, lost. Lost what? Am I, am I, what does lost mean to the Bible? Uh, my son's great because he's, he's, um, he's like my reminder. How many of you have a reminder app? you can make a little tone and a, well my, that's my son he often accompanies me to church and Jess comes with the girls we said come earlier than she does and we're here early setting up and getting ready and and he says he has this list dad you got your phone yep, got your wallet got your keys got your bible got your coffee <laughs> and it's all like in the first like 30 seconds i'm like thank you lord for my son and what's really bad is sometimes he'll say one of those and I say, yeah, but I really don't have it. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, no, I really did for You know. So what does it mean to be lost? And there's a few scriptures I want to point out, like Luke 19.10. Jesus said, the Son of Man, and it, it's one of Jesus' mission statements. It's why he came. Anyone want to know why Jesus came to the earth? He said, for the Son of Man came in to seek and to save that which was lost. In Luke 15, there's the parable parables of the lost coin, the lost son, the lost other thing. What it huh? Oh, sheep, yeah, that. <laughs> you little lost sheep, come into the fold. You lost sheep. <laughs> See, God, you got your phone, got your coffee, got your keys. <laughs> Squirrel. <laughs> In Luke 15, he said, "My son was law. My son was uh, Jesus actually uses this other word. He said, "For this son of mine was dead." but he's now alive again. He was lost, now he's found. Lost isn't like keys or your phone or your wallet or money you lost on the stock market. The parallel to lost literally means dead. Like Jesus said in Luke 9, 60, let the dead bury their dead. This guy said, well, let me bury my dad. I wanna follow you, Jesus. I really wanna get in the game and really come reach the lost. I really wanna get into this. But his dad isn't literally dead. He's not asking to go to a funeral. He wants to, like, be with his dad through the last years of his life. Let me bury my father. Let me take care of him until he's gone. Then, then I'll turn. And Jesus said these stunning words, let the dead bury their dead. No get in the game. Come now. That's similar to the word lost. When he said my son was uh, lost, but now he's found. He was dead, but he's alive. See, lost, or or another time this is used with the 12, with the 12 that Jesus picked, Jesus refers to Judas. Later in John 17, he says, "Um, "'I have guarded the 12, "'and not one of them has been lost "'except the, the son of destruction "'that scripture might be fulfilled.'" Judas was lost. He was was gone. He took his own life. Jesus is saying he's lost or he's dead. And that's what when we talk about lost, we mean lost in our spirit. And so the next lost to be saved in Mark, Jesus goes into the harvest field and he's healing the sick and he's setting people free. And Jesus, the evangelist, has this immediacy in his heart. Let me ask this. When you started reading the Bible and captivated by Scripture. I know for me, I didn't read the Bible to get a sermon. I didn't read the Bible to learn Greek or Hebrew. I didn't learn the Bible or open this book to, to, to uh, become a better leader or become, have leadership skills. I, read, I dove into this book because I was lost. I was drowning. I was, I, I was nobody. I didn't have anything. And the Bible are words of life. I read this because it revolutionized my life. I read it and, and what captivated God's heart started to captivate my heart. All of a sudden I wanted to reach people and I wanted to reach the lost and I wanted to let the dead bury the dead and do everything I could to follow the Son of God. Do you remember when you picked up these words of life and it moved you in such a way where you were moved by what moves Jesus? You know what moves him, the lost? The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. I think we're coming into a phase where the next lost are going to be found. Come on, the next son and the coin and the sheep. Right? Those who are lost, they, they lost their way. They're, it's not like you, they lost their phone, their iPhone, they need to go to Verizon to get it fixed. No, they're they're, they're lost are the living dead that need to find spiritual truth. And Jesus has this immediacy where he's like, no, let's reach the lost. We've got to, guys, if we're going to break camp and move, not only, right, not only see new leaders raised up, but reach the lost, the next lost, and the, the next, next In the message, I want to read this part again because we've covered a lot and conclude with uh, point three. But verse 35, rising early in the morning, it's still dark. Jesus departed to a desolate place and there he prayed. Right in the center of this very immediate, moving, fast-paced gospel that's mocked to with his hair on fire, you know it's it's Jesus just boom 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 he gets up early and he it's like he all of a sudden slows down and the and he stops to pray what's interesting about mark the whole book is this way right up to the passion week mark it's like mark kind of cruises through this mission of Jesus right up to passion week and it's like if a movie Stacy if you were making one of your films or movies it'd be like almost fast forward How many like that kind of pace? I know Bruce confessed last week. He likes everything chill. Right? We need to, it takes all kinds. I'm a little more this way. I'm a little more ADD on steroids. You know, boom, boom, boom. What Mark does is he moves through the gospel, moves through this story right up to Passion Week, and then it's like slow-mo. Then he just pauses, and it's like, all of a sudden, it's, this is why the book was written, and the book kind of climaxes on this point where the Roman centurion right at the cross says, truly this is the Son of God. And it's like it all comes to this point where Jesus is going to die on the cross and, and for our sins, and it's, it's why he came to p- be the payment for our sins, and so not only does the book slow down there, in our reading, we see this kind of immediately, Jesus goes out to pray. And we finally think, okay, he's gonna slow down. He's not gonna drive us so hard. He's not gonna keep moving. Jesus, why don't we, they're all looking for you, right? Then they came and they finally found him. I wonder how many times Jesus is like, ah, I need my prayer closet a little more incognito little more hidden. and Maybe that's why it's a prayer closet. They'll never find me in the prayer closet. But they find him and they said, everyone's looking. He says, too bad. We must go, let's go to the next towns and villages and preach there. That's why I've come. I've come for what's next. I've come to reach out. I've come to, to go into the harvest field. I've come to Uh, plant. And the early church got this because they went from town after town and Antioch and Philippi and Corinth. They they weren't just going to church. They were the church going. Right? Church isn't about just coming and sitting in the four walls and being in a building. We're the church going. And I want to take a few minutes and talk to you very specifically about the next towns and villages. Jesus had this Jesus the evangelist is now Jesus the apostle going, there's more out there, right? There's next for us and the the next for Clark Fork City Church. I wanna wanna hit on that. I was really moved listening to Steve Oliver who leads our family of churches, regions beyond. He talked about uh, a group of people we actually gave to in Burundi. You know, our church family actually owns an amazing piece of land in Burundi That piece of land was one of the killing fields. And they bought it and said, We're going to redeem this land for the gospel and build a church there. The problem was all the leaders in that group uh, were put on a hit list. Do you know why? This will catch our attention today. I know we have a lot of struggles in our own lives and nation, and there's fires down the street, but do you know what they were facing? A hit list. Because they were feeding the poor. They're feeding the poor and they're put on this hit list so they have to flee. Now listen to this, this blew my mind. They had to flee from Burundi, which is in like civil war, to Rwanda, right? Well, that seems like a safe place to go. The next towns and villages, you know what happened when they go over to Rwanda? They pick up this program thinking, well, we'll get back to Burundi. They pick up a program, Farming God's Way, and they start farming this uh, stevia, sugar substitute. It's like out of a plant leaf, they crush it. It's tr- and they become one of the, the, this is just recent history, in the region, one of the greatest producers of stevia in the region for the purposes of God. So they're farming with church people, raising funds and uh, farming God's way and they're believing that we're going to get back to Burundi because that's where he called us, but they land in Rwanda. Guys, listen, God is calling us, I believe, as a church to the next towns and villages. Where are the things, and and sometimes that's out of persecution, that's sometimes out of unrest, that's sometimes out of moving. Maybe you've recently moved here, and God moved you to Missoula, Montana, and you think, Lord, uh, why here? But uh, God wants to, Get us moving, can someone say, yeah? In this series, um, Break Camp in Advance, I thought of this illustration, and I've never seen this, but uh, an eagle, when it wants to get, to get its, and I'm not Mr. Biology, eaglets? Are they called eaglets? When he wants to, he or she wants to get his eaglets to fly. Have you, do you know what they do, an eagle in the nest? Because the nest is comfy. The nest is warm. The nest is nice. The nest is where they're born. They've been fed and, meow, meow, meow. <laughs> you know, mom and dad come and drop in the fish or whatever worms. You know, <laughs> they don't want to leave the nest, but they start taking their claws and they start pulling apart the nest because it's been layered with feathers and whatever, fishing line or leaves, moss, whatever they can get in there. The nest has been comfy, but the eagle starts tearing apart the nest. And what's underneath there is these sharp, pokey sticks. And the eagle's, ooh, <laughs> I gotta move. That's like Jesus Mount God at Mount Sinai. You've stayed here not long enough. Break camp and advance. It's time to move out. And there comes times in church life and, church history where God says, hey, it's time to, time to break out. It's time to break up the nest. And what he's saying is, what, what the disciples are saying, let's go back. They're looking for you. And he's saying, no, we need to go to the next towns, the next villages. We need to, we need to go to reach the next people, find the next leaders, find the next lost. You guys with me today? So in a way, um, Part of my job, although we're not gonna tear down our nice building, we need to ruffle the nest up a bit. And about a year ago, at the summit, we hosted a conference, a Regions Beyond conference here. Um, Steve Oliver preached a message called uh, A New Map. Was anyone here that day? He gave us blank pieces of paper and we... we um, I don't think I need this one anymore, but we rolled up blank pieces of paper and came forward and and held it up, symbolic of a new map in life. God, what's next for me? And you guys may not have known this, but I came up and held up this piece of paper and said, God, what's the new map for our church? And you know what, almost immediately I felt like God said to me, uh, Clark Fork City Church isn't going to be a church just in one location, but you're going to have three more locations. I've shared that briefly with you before, but I want to I wanna flesh that out just a little bit this morning. I felt like he said, you've stayed at this mountain long enough, break camp in advance. I felt like he said, there's so many leaders in your church, you need to pull the nest apart a bit. I felt like he said, uh, "We had plans of breaking this building into this huge multi two thousand seat building." And I felt like he said, "No, you're not going to do that. You're going to have church uh, congregations in different places. It's time to go to the next towns and villages." That was my map. For me, that was the thing God said, "If, if I'm going to give you a new map, and you're going to get this church, we're going to get this church moving again. There's going to be some immediacies coming up." Anyone getting scared yet? Uh, And so actually, we've been sharing this. And uh, right in October, one of these congregations, actually some churches call, when they move to a multi-site situation, they call those churches campuses. I don't really like that because I went to the campus at the University of Montana. Campus speaks of a location. I think a congregation speaks of people. People. And I believe, like God said, you're going to have several congregations, all with the same church name, all with the same vision, all with centralized finances, all with the same thrust, all with similar events, but you're going to break up and have different services, and that's how we're going to reach this region, the next towns and villages. You know what God did? He said, this, what you're going after isn't enough, just maintaining at 2811 Latimer. God wants us to have the next towns and villages right? So we're doing that. We, we're responding to that word. And in October, our young adult team that meets up in Ben and Heather, John and Sarah's home, Haven's home as well. Don't forget Haven. Uh, they're mo- they're going public. They're taking their Sunday night home group and they're moving downtown. Hey, they're moving downtown Sunday nights, why? The next towns and villages, the next leaders, the next, the, the next lost. Because we've realized we're not satisfied with just staying the way we are. We believe God wants to expand us. We want to fulfill the word we got years ago out of Isaiah where God said, stretch your tent curtains wide, right? Strengthen your stakes. Go to the left and the right. You're going to grow. Well, guess what, guys? That time is here. That time is now. Our next is now. Are you willing to be brave enough or bold enough for your next to be now to walk into the immediates of God? Are you willing to say, hey, God, I'm, w- I'm willing to say what's next, I'll follow. Now, Ben and Heather and the team, aren't, they're not leaving here. We're just doing more. We're just expanding. Like Jesus got his 12, the 12. Jesus knows that I can't save the world on my own. He picked 12, and they went and did it, and they built teams, and from there, the gospel went around the world. Are you following me today? That's how he changed the world, right? And so, Ben, Heather, any young adults who are part of your group, would you guys stand up? Give these guys a hand clap. Thank you. They're going to the next next town and village. They're saying, "Hey, let's let's break out and let's break camp and let's advance." Another uh, congregation or location that we've prayed really hard about is um, the Bitterroot Valley. Many of you drive in uh, 30, 40 miles. In fact, I drive in about 30 miles. other way, a different way. It's what we do in Montana. We commute where Ray and Sue are from. And in uh, England, they walk to church. You know, your church is down the block. We drive, right? It's not a big deal. But uh, we've had over 40 members in our church that, uh, part of our membership who live in the Bitterroot. You know what? Those 40 members have 30-some kids. Talk about fill the earth and subdue it. They take that Genesis literally. They're like a Mormon colony down there. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I'm not being mean. It's just how they are. They just populate. <laughs> God said populate. Yes, Lord, I'll follow your word. Hey, I have five kids. I obeyed. Yes, Lord, I'll do it. <laughs> uh, okay. Um. We've got a bunch of people that live in the Bitterroot and we felt like, man, why not have a service down there? Why not go to the next towns and villages and, and say, God, break out there? And, and I want to say something really serious about that. It, it, it seems more convenient and it would be. But if we have a service in the Bitterroot because it's convenient and it's closer, we've totally missed the point of the text in God's heart. So you can't don't have to drive thirty miles here. If you want to release leaders and reach new people, then let's have a service in the Bitterroot. If not, I'd, I'd rather just meet here. So everyone in the Bitterroot, if you really want to say, "Hey, I'm captivated by the gospel. I want to do something for God. I want to." <coughs> I don't want to just warm a pew and come. I want to come and and reach the valley for God. Then I want to get behind that, and we want to breathe on it as a church, and we want to fund it, and we want to see a service in 2018 start down there, uh, not out of convenience, but because we're compelled by the gospel. We're compelled compelled by what's next, and we say, yes, God, here I am. Send me. I'll I'll follow the immediate. See, sometimes we preach... um, and this could be a, a nice message about the immediate, the next leaders, the next loss, the next towns, and that would be nice, but I want to really apply it in a, in a way today that's challenging, and that makes it tough, right? That's the vision, that's what we feel we're called to. John 4:35, Jesus said, "Hey, you, don't you guys have a saying? You say it's still four months into the harvest." Because they would say, well, four months away, don't worry, the harvest is it's down the road. He said, no, open your eyes, look at the fields, they're ripe with harvest. They're ripe right now. And so what we've tried to prepare you for and what I've prayed through and our leaders have prayed through and what we're hoping for is that God would allow us to break camp, not just a nice message to get you out of the place you're at, to advance and i want to return briefly to this thought of tearing up the nest today's about challenging you but if we're going to have another service at downtown and one in the bitter we don't want to just tear up the nest here right you can only take that illustration so far i need those of you that are called to 2811 latimer to say hey here i am send me Let's treat this like a church plant and reach people and go after people and have a heart for the lost, right? And have congregations around the valley that really want to follow Christ's mission. It's not about just go out and be crazy and the immediates of God and we'll send people out there and then there's 10 of us here. Wow, that was a good idea, right? We want to follow God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but see the gospel Expand. I know, guys, I know that it will. We feel God's leading us this way, and we want to actually want Stacy and Ann, your family, to stand up. These guys are really going to be spearheading uh, ministry in the bitter for us. Let's give them a hand clap. (laughs) Heather, you guys, uh, you and your team can come. I want to take a moment to uh, pray and then we'll conclude in song. um, Maybe there's things you've held back from Jesus today, and it's not just about church planning, going for the gospel. Maybe there's things that you've held back, and the next of gods have been stymied because there's things you haven't wanted to surrender, and maybe today's the day to do that. Maybe today's the day where you open the Bible again and you're motivated not just by study and not just like for a sermon or your home group, but you're motivated by the words of God that compel us to reach the lost. And I, I want us to be moved by the things that move Jesus. I want both Jesus, the leader, Jesus, the evangelist, Jesus, the apostle, his heart in Mark 1, those immediates. And I... I think there's some amazing immediates coming for us, guys. I, I believe it with all my heart. And we're willing to say, Lord, Jesus, if you're going to tear the nest up a bit to get us moving, so be it. We want to be faithful to you. And so I'd like you to stand today and, and maybe just uh, open your hands in front of you if you'd like to respond to... Jesus, today, in a way of saying, "Hey, Lord, here I am. Send me." Maybe it's part of the team in October that says, "Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna move to a night service downtown. We're gonna, we're gonna help lead down there. Why not to just get out of here, or not just to have a different kind of feel to a meeting, but to reach other people? Maybe you're, you say, 'Wow, I live in the Bitterroot. I didn't know about that, and I'd love to.'" Uh, I'd love my heart to be turned to the gospel. I want to catch what Jesus had when he went away to pray and the disciples came and said, hey, they're looking for you. No, next towns, next villages. Really, today's about what's next. And Lord, would you please revolutionize our heart? Let us see the radical Jesus who came in in an immediate way and turned the world upside down with 12 leaders and a band of roving fishermen and tax collectors. They, they've turned the world upside down and we're even, we're followers today because of what happened and I think of the disciples who went from town to town and church planted and went. God, would you take that kind of next message in us? Yeah. yeah God. And would you bra- help us break out? Give us passion today, even as we leave here to see the loss in a different way. Yeah. In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen. Hey, I know we'll, we'll take some time over the next few weeks and even talk about details, and I know Heather and Ben have done a great job talking to their group and even here saying, hey, we're starting a Sunday night, October 8th, I believe it is, uh, but even the bitter, you might go, wow, well, that's new. That's we're gonna, We'll take some time. We're gonna meet with those of you that live down there and, flesh that out a little more. What would that mean? And So I want you to leave here today more inspired than having questions. We'll answer, we'll figure out the questions later, right? Sometimes my job as a leader is to turn us towards what's next. I I think Jesus in Mark, he was, as you read that chapter and read that first part of Mark, it's almost like Jesus in his ministry is leaning forward. You know, does that scare anybody? What happens if you're leaning forward? You have to walk. Some of us have either been sitting down or leaning back in our faith, and He wants to orient us forward so we start to move. Right? That's what today's about. Amen? Let's sing and then we'll dismiss and take on the world. All right?